Hi, and welcome to Focus on Women Season 6. We have had such amazing support this past year and are super excited to share some new things with all of you. For one, we now have an advisory board. So please go to focusonwomen.org and check out our new About page. We will also be posting some great interviews of the board members, and those should be on our Instagram hopefully by this fall. So thanks for all your support, and please remember to subscribe to iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review for the podcast as well. Next up, we are running another call for photographers and illustrators who are interested in partaking in the Artist Collective Initiative. If you have any great images showing women or depicting the empowerment of women that we could license from you, we're interested. And we will then make those available on tote bags, t-shirts, stickers, art prints, and more. 25% of the proceeds will go towards the cost of producing our fabulous podcast, and the remaining will go into your pocket. So please reach out and let us know. Thanks for tuning in. Hey guys, so glad that you're here. This is Focus on Women. I'm here with Kimberly Edwards, uh, hailing from the UK. She's a fashion and portrait photographer with tons of stories that she's going to share with us today. Kimberly, we're so glad to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so let's let's dial back to baby Kimberly. So talk <laughs> a little bit about like how you ended up in photography, you know, what was kind of the initial spark for you and what was your trajectory to where you are today? So I kind of fell into photography by complete accident. There was no plan for me to be a photographer. There was no interest in me being a photographer until I was 17. And I basically had to take an extra class at college, which I knew I was going to pass so I could get into uni. And yeah, so I took it just like on a whim. I was like, oh, that'd be easy to pass. Like my friend was saying to me like, oh my God, just take it. It'd be so easy to pass. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went and uh, bought like a 200 pounds camera, like bare minimum, like camera. And then I really enjoyed it. And I had a best friend at the time and she used to model for me. Like we used to go around different cities and she was like 15. She was like younger than me. And she was like, I want to model for you. We can just like go to all these different places just like so you pass this course. She's now a doctor. So yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, I basically fell into it by accident. No plans to go into it. Not really any interest. I, I was obsessed with like films and movies and cinema and stuff when I was a teenager. But yeah, so I took it for a class and really enjoyed it. And then people kept coming towards me like, you know we photograph for me I'll pay you money I'll pay you whatever there was like lots of like recommendations for like to work with me in Brighton and back home in Bournemouth and yeah one thing led to another and it just was like a like a I don't know it just like a domino's falling it all just kind of fell into place on its own you know so you took the class you get super inspired obviously mm -hmm. people are loving what you're doing or else they wouldn't be like hey hey photograph me so kind of what's like the next what was the next next step for you I mean obviously you mentioned you took the class so you could go to university but did that happen or did you pivot no so I I went to university I went to the University of Sussex and I never took photography at all <laughs> I literally did uh I did media and film and law and politics and business so it was all like theory based and then on the side I did photography like just to make some extra money for food and stuff literally like it was just something I did on the side and 
it was after university that things began to really pick up. I was being signed to an agency and stuff. It was like I wasn't forcing it. It just happened, you know? It's amazing. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm very blessed. So how did that, I mean, so you're doing this as a side hustle, probably like a fairly serious side hustle, um, you know, I mean, yeah, sure. right? Because it, it's nice to make that extra cash. I think the cash is probably more motivating than anything else <laughs> at that point. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, when you're a student, right? You're you're at college or university. Like, that's kind of what you need more than anything. Because it is like a bit of cash on the side, time, kind of to just get you through, you know. But um, I enjoyed it as well. Like, I, I love meeting new people. And um, with photography, it gives me that access to meet just people from all different places, and it's fascinating in that sense. So, did you have an online presence at this point? I don't think I did. I didn't have a website. I didn't have a blog. I didn't have anything really. This was back in the days. This was like 2013 when Instagram was not what it is now. It was just kind of that thing that was there that people took pictures of their cats and dinners and whatever. It was Um, the instant moment. Yeah. And it wasn't exactly impressive back in 2012, 2013. It was just kind of something people had, but nobody really used uh so no I didn't I literally it was all word of mouth it was Amazing. yeah pretty old-fashioned in that so sense. how did yeah. you find or how how did you find the agency or how did the agency find you that kind of took the next step I can't believe I'm going to say this but it was again an accident like it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't meant to be like it just I remember I was just looking through like the job kind of listings one day and this agency was looking for food photographers in the local area. And I was like, I'll be able to do that. I've never done it before, but I just do that for some extra cash. And I did it. And then through that, I got signed to NME magazine, which is probably the, like, that was the turning point when I worked for NME magazine. Um, That's basically the rolling stone of the UK. It's a big deal. So it's a, Uh, is it a music based magazine? Yeah, exactly. It's, it was in print for 66 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, any artist you can think of, they've been in the front cover, you know, from Lana Del Rey to like David Bowie, Kendra Lamar, like they've been in that magazine. So that was a turning point when that happened. So was that was one of your biggest editorials at the time? Definitely, yeah. And is that when you were like, okay, I want to keep doing this? Yeah, I think that was, that was the moment. That was the moment where I was like, okay, this is really enjoyable. They're giving me complete creative control. Like I get to photograph whoever I want. I get to interview whoever I want. And I had my whole, like a whole page spread that was just um, my photographs. And yeah, I never told them. Like (laughs) I was meant to find random people on the street. So the whole thing is, it was called What's on Your Headphones. And you're supposed to go up to random people on the street and be like, oh, what are you listening to at the moment? I just got my friends and I've never, I've never told them that. Like I literally was just like, does anyone want to just come do this? Like, and they were all like, yeah, yeah, I'd love to. So I have all these pages of like my work and it's just pictures of my friends pretty much. So, <laughs> it's really fun I, actually. Yeah, yeah. I never told my boss, Caroline, I never told her. She was like, she assumed they were just complete randomness, but <laughs> yeah, they weren't. So how long did you do that, that spread? That was for a year and then it um, it stopped because basically what happened was I think in 2018, March 2018, uh, I was looking at like the news 
And like the Guardian said, Enemy Magazine is out of print, it's done. And that's how I found out. I had oh two gosh. projects. Yeah, I had two projects like running, like ready to go. And it was like, I remember it so vividly. It was a Wednesday afternoon and my boss, Caroline, she messaged me and she was just like, yeah, we're out. Like the publishing team, they've just came in this morning and we're all fired. And I was like, oh, oh my God. okay. Yeah, it was just sudden, just out of nowhere. They didn't even get like a final front cover. Like it was actually 66 years and then um, that was it. And I'm really happy because the final edition actually has my photographs in it. But yeah, it wasn't planned. And apparently it's quite common in the magazine industry. Like one day they're in print and then the next day they're just like, we're pulling the plug. So that's how that ended. And then that led you to what? Obviously that probably opened a few more doors now that you had been in print for a year and had a bunch yeah. of tears. Yeah. So that was March, 2018. And I was already planning to go live in Toronto, like for the summer. So I was like, okay, I continue doing my food photography for like Uber Eats, uh, Deliveroo. And then I moved to Toronto for like a couple of months just to be with my friends. I had no plan to be doing photography in Toronto. I was like, no one's going to care. <laughs> you know, no, who's going to care about this random English girl that lives there? Like no one. And then it turns out people did care. And I ended up getting a load of work, like completely out of the blue. So I was very lucky. So talk about, okay, so you moved to Toronto. Let's mm -hmm. dig in a little bit more because there's a lot of people I know that, you know, move locations and they're like, I don't know how to find work. And even though you kind of went with this, like I'm taking almost like a vacation to see my friends, it turned into work. So was that because your friends were dialed into certain things and just were like, hey, since you're here and you got your camera... <laughs> like come take this job uh no it, it wasn't like that at all like it was um again it was just happened so I didn't even take my camera with me I literally didn't even pack it that's how little I planned to do photography in Toronto I had none of my gear with me and one of my friends said to me she was like if you need to make cash like or you know make money you know you have the visa like just say to people that you're doing headshot photography, like just go on like the Facebook business groups, whatever, and just say, I'm from the UK. I charge like 50 bucks for like a shoot for an hour. I think it was less than that. I think it was like $40. It was nothing. And I literally just put this thing out and I was like, no one is going to care. No one is going to care. Like, yeah, I'm not even trying to be modest. Like I genuinely thought no one would care. And then I got swamped with messages of people that wanted to work with me. And I was just like, wow, I was not expecting that. Um, I know that reaction. I wasn't expecting that at all. And it ended up being great. I met so many people. I was having like four or five shoots a day because I had so many people like queuing up to like work for me. And I just, I really wasn't expecting it. Um, yeah, it was, it was amazing. It just happened. I borrowed a friend's camera. It wasn't even my camera. I had to borrow it from a friend because yeah, I just, I had this opportunity. I advertised myself and one thing led to another. Thank goodness for Facebook groups. I know, right? Social media, I think is just such a major platform now. I mean, we wouldn't even be talking, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, the connections we can make over it and yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it definitely brings people together. It's a it's an interesting way to run your business. And so I'm mm -hmm. curious, 
how long were you actually in Toronto then? Did you stay the summer and then go back to the UK or did you I stay did. longer? I went for about three or four months. It wasn't a long time. And I went back to the UK and I was like, okay, I'm going to make this full time. Like I loved Toronto. My friends there treat me so well. They make me feel so welcome. And I, I came back to the UK and I was like, okay. So I was like, I'm going to move my stuff over there. I'm going to like find an apartment and I'm going to, I'm going to go move over there. And I did about six or seven months later, like spring, summertime, I moved back and I lived there for a year. And what was that time like for you now that you decided, okay, I love Toronto. I'm making this my home. I know I can make money on photography. Social media is my place to be. Tell us a little bit about now, how is the business kind of starting to come together for you? Uh, so I just did exactly the same thing. I just advertised myself on Facebook. I said, look, I'm back <laughs> and like, I'm ready to shoot. If anyone wants to shoot with me, let's go. You know, summer is an amazing time for like photography in general, you know, videography, like summer is the time to get clients. And it, it went even more like it boomed even more the second time I was there like I was having I went from having like three or four shoots a day in 2018 to like six or seven a day I was working constantly like even on weekends even in the evenings I was just going work 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 I'm a bit of a workaholic I'm not gonna lie <laughs> so but it was fantastic I met people from all over Canada I met Americans I met people from all over the world like from small towns and suburbs and downtown Toronto and Vancouver and Calgary like all these different people as well as like Los Angeles and Miami there were people like visiting there and they wanted to work with me and it was just yeah it was it was an incredible experience and that was still doing more like headshot kind of work yeah that was headshots and events okay so then what is the turning point to what you're doing today so tell us a little bit about how we got to, to what, you know, how you started working with some big brands, how you started doing a little bit more, um, you know, the commercial advertorials. Um, how did that, how did you go from being like a headshot photographer an event photographer to the next step up for you? So that was like more back in the days of like 2017, 2018, when I was working with an agency and they were getting me leads. And some of it also was just freelancing where I was just literally contacting brands just like I want to work for you I mean sometimes they even offer to do it for free just be like I want to work with you and yeah it just kind of again it just one thing led to another and it just opened so many doors for me and unfortunately obviously in the last year with the pandemic things have massively quietened down and I feel like now it's beginning to like the ball is beginning to get rolling again yeah so during during the pandemic, did you find yourself kind of in a creative cave? Like I'm just taking some time off or did you start working on personal projects? Like kind of, how did you weather that kind of the year of the quiet, if you will? So, I mean, I hated it. Like I love working and I had to find a way to work. So what I did was I basically went online and found all of these magazines all over the world Miami, Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, Sydney, Paris, Milan, Rome, all of them. And I submitted my like photographs to them, like the ones I'd taken in Toronto. And I was just like, I want to get published. I want to like, you know, any space you have, 
that'd be fantastic if I can, you know, be featured and have my models and my friends featured as well. And I ended up, I think it was, I think it ended up being 13 cities and eight countries just in 2020. Yeah. Just from like knocking on doors, submitting my work and yeah. And it's funny, the pandemic didn't inspire me to do that. It was my friend, Tiffany. So my friend, Tiffany, she's Asian. And she was like, you never see Asian women in magazines. And she made this post where she did the uh, Vogue like challenge or whatever, where her face was on like a Vogue cover. And she was like, you'll never see this. You'll never see, you know, an Asian woman in a magazine that's, you know, that's not conventional. And I was like, that's a challenge for me. And I took that challenge and I was like, I'm going to get you published. I'm going to find a way to get you published. And I never told her. I just kind of pulled back and I was like, I'm going to find a way to surprise her. And she ended up getting published in a magazine in Prague and another one in London. So she's technically an internationally published model now. And it's such, it's such a great feeling um, to be able to like do that. And she, she was amazed and thrilled and it was, yeah, really wonderful. Like, I just, I don't know. I love that aspect of um, just helping other women just get a little bit higher, you know, in a industry that can be quite, you know, strict in its guidelines and its rules. Yeah. I mean, I love that you took the initiative and kind of put together this editorial punch list of places that now know you, right? Because you've reached out and they obviously mm-hmm. liked your work. Um, so what's the plan going forward now that you have 13 publications that clearly responded well to your work? Do you have other ideas to send to them? So I think I've done, I'm done now on magazines, like not in a way that I'm like, oh, I'm leaving it behind forever, but just I'm on to my next thing now. And my next like avenue that I want to go down is TV, film and red carpets. That's like my next thing that I want to achieve is to work firsthand on sets and firsthand on red carpets. So that's, is how I'm envisioning my future now in photography is going down that avenue. See if I like it, see if I don't, you know, um, just try it out, you know, cause I've done, I've done food photography. I've done property event weddings. Um, yeah, a lot of different things and you never know, you know, there's always some else's to explore, to find out, to see if you like, and that's my next thing I want to try. So what kind of things do you want to do on like a TV or film set? I would love to be like a stills photographer on a film set where you just take photos of the action. That would be amazing. And also red carpets go into BAFTAs, Oscars, Cannes, Toronto Film Festival. That would be amazing. I know people that do it and they've been doing it regularly for a lot of years and I imagine it's a very high pressured environment, but I'm up for the challenge. I want to see what it's like, you know? Yeah. Maybe there's an opportunity to like assist one of them when you're just to see it firsthand. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, the, the ones that I know that do it, they're PR agents. So they walk celebrities down the red carpet. I kind of just want to be behind them taking pictures. That's, that's my goal. I kind of just want to be there in the height of it. But obviously that's something that, isn't really happening at the moment. You know, we are still in lockdown in many areas. Celebrities definitely aren't flying unless it's for like, you know, big productions and stuff. So it's a, it's definitely a, um, 
we're going to wait and see what happens sort of thing. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, I love that you already touched on the fact that you have a few people who are doing these things or are in the places that you want to go. So it sounds like you already have a bit of a network there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And one of the things that kind of comes through in this conversation is just how you either accidentally find a network or how you actually have like friends who make introductions for you. Uh, I think it's a bit of both. I've definitely had friends introduce me to other friends who have helped me and I've helped them definitely, but always the first encounters aren't planned. You know, the, that first person that changes everything that's never, that's never planned. You know, I don't know what they do. They don't know what I do, but we've been introduced and it's just like, Oh, you know, you could help me with this and I could help you with this. And, you know, you, it just, I don't know. It just flows. You know, I think with things in any industry, like if you force it, it may not be a good result. You have to just let it, you know, be whilst also, you know, being aware that you've got a network, you've got to like be reliable, trustworthy. You've got to turn up, you've got to be passionate. There's a massive like passion that you need to be, I think a creator, especially a female creator in a world that, you know, kind of doesn't focus on us as much. I wanted to give a shout out today to my good friend and colleague, Betsy Davison, and her company, Space for Arts. Space for Arts is a global B2B marketplace for professional production spaces, i.e. studios. Its platform presents a vetted inventory of professional production spaces with robust search tools, optimized for the needs of production professionals, supported by communication alerts, which assist in the rapid decision cycles of production. Space for Arts offers a management solution which mirrors entrenched practices, simplifies and automates them, thus providing a powerful time-saving resource to both studio owners and production professionals. By addressing the significant pain points for both sides of the market, Space for Arts will capture a high percentage of available bookings, becoming the industry's default resource for booking and managing production spaces. Think of it as an open table meets Airbnb meets CRM software. It's the perfect solution for professional production space integration. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I would love for you to share like one of your, you know, maybe in the, in the recent uh, couple years here, like one of your favorite shoots you ever did and why. Hmm. Okay. Um, wow. Okay. So one of my favorite shoots, I don't even know where to begin. Like there's been so many in the last couple of years, but I obviously loved working with people in Toronto. That was a fantastic experience. And I worked with people that were like high in production as well uh, with like major, major TV shows. Like I'm not even allowed to say the TV shows, but I can tell you about the shoot. Like I, <laughs> this is a pretty funny story. And I'm not going to name names for obvious reasons, but there was a girl in Toronto and she came to my shoot with me and she came with her makeup artist and it was, it was fun. And we finished the shoot, we were wrapping up and she basically said to me, um, I do like lingerie shoots. I do like bondage shoots and it'd be good to have a female photographer there with me. Like, you know, cause it's more comfortable and everything. And I was like, that's great. But I don't know. I don't do that kind of stuff. Like I totally support like, you know, that you want to do it, but that's, 
I didn't do that stuff. It doesn't fit with my profile. It doesn't fit with like what I specialize in. So I declined. And then I later found out that she was like, she is literally a major producer for a really famous TV show for kids that was like massive in America in the nineties. And I can't say the name, but there's right. a dog involved. <laughs> so you might be able to guess it from what I'm saying, but it was a big deal in the 90s, this kid's show of a dog. And that's she really produces funny. that. Yeah, that's what she does in her spare time. So she goes from making a children's show and then has this total case, other life. Yeah. Oh my goodness, totally. Like totally other life where she's like massively into like BDSM, bondage, everything. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you know, never judge a book by its cover. Nope. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of wild. Yeah, that was that was an interesting day. <laughs> yeah, I have no words for that. <laughs> speechless um, on a podcast well I mean that's like if I get asked to shoot like boudoir it's just not my thing I would rather you photo you know have a photographer that kind of specializes in that oh definitely like I totally support her like desire to do it but it's not it it was like pretty grim as well like she wanted like a whole vampire theme with like blood and biting I was like no nah, I'm out I'm out no, like, <laughs> it's not, like it sounds awesome but just not my thing <laughs> yeah yeah, I was like, you know, thank you so much for, like, asking me, but I'm going to go, and good luck. But, uh, yeah, not for me. So what's something that would be, like, the complete opposite of that? What do you mean? So, I mean, obviously that was a really fun shoot, and she 100% mm -hmm. trusted you to the fact that she was like, here's, I'm opening up to being really vulnerable with you mm -hmm. and telling you this thing that I want to do. And even though it didn't fit with the type of photography that you do, you, you know, graciously declined well, what's the complete opposite of like a shoot that just went awry? It was just a mess. Do you know what? I think I've been quite lucky. I've not had any shoots that have gone, you know, like awfully, like they've all fallen apart. I have, however, had shoots with people that have been very unpleasant towards me. Like they've arrived and they kind of don't really want to be there. But even though they were the ones that like it was their idea to do the shoot, I've definitely had that. I've definitely had people come being really bad moods and being very rude to me, very demanding. That those shoots by far are like the worst experiences. I mean, obviously, there's people out there that have had way worse experiences than I have, but there's nothing worse than working with a model or subject or whatever who just doesn't want to be there and they don't trust you and they kind of like I don't know they just have bad vibes you know I've had a few like that and I think they've been happy with the results in the end because they're the type of people that they don't really communicate afterwards they kind of you know here's your photos I really hope you like them but then you don't really hear anything yeah or I've had I had one woman and she said that um the way I angled the the pictures was just not right it was wrong and that I made her look ugly and I was like whoa let's take it down a notch like because I use the same angles for the same type of models you know short tall women you know men whatever like there are strict ways of doing these things like positions angles lighting to make them look the best they can possibly look and I have had I had one woman and she was just like you deliberately made me look ugly like you you've used angles that make me look ugly and I find that I find that really disappointing 
because I haven't done that at all. I've done the opposite. I've tried to make them feel amazing, look amazing. You know, I think with photography sessions, they can kind of be like therapy for some people. Like some people like come along and they, it's like a therapy session. Like they tell me like everything about their lives. And I think it's quite cathartic for them in a way. So, you know, I've been very lucky. I've not so had insanely you, bad ones. So how do you handle that? Right? Like obviously with this one client who was like, you made me look ugly. Mm-hmm. You know, um, which is kind of, it is kind of humorous, you know, like probably looking back, it's a little funny to hear someone say that. And I've, I've experienced those same, <laughs> those same things. Um, but I'm really curious, you know, what is your, do you respond back to them? Do you offer some kind of advice? Do you just kind of listen and move on? How do you handle that uh, kind of situation? I, I always respond. I always respond. I don't want anyone walking away feeling that they've not, you know, not feeling good. The whole point of like having photographs done of yourself, especially portraits is to look good, feel good, to feel more confident in yourself. And, you know, it's meant to be a pleasurable experience. It's not meant to be like, you know, something, yeah, it's not meant to be something that's like, Oh, that was really awful. I'm never doing that again. Like, it's going to be fun. It's going to be lighthearted and fun. Um, yeah, I did respond and I was just like, you know, we can fix this. Like, come again. Let's try again for free. Come again and we'll try it again. And it was still, no, you make me look ugly. So I had to leave it. I was like, I, I've i done my best. Yeah. Like, You're like, this is obviously not actually me. Yeah, I think you can't please everyone in life. You know, not everyone is going to vibe or connect with you on a personal and professional level it just isn't going to happen it'd be amazing if it did but there's always going to be someone that you just don't click with and we obviously just didn't click I don't you know it it disappoints me like it upsets me bringing up those encounters because I don't want anyone walking away feeling bad because a lot of people walk away feeling great and that's what I I kind of aim for Yeah. And I think in this scenario, right, most like probably 90, 90% or more of your clientele is going to be ecstatic and happy. And it's always that like, you know, two to 10% that we focus on where we're like, oh, we didn't make them happy. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we, and instead of, you know, actually focusing on the 90% that we did. Um, And so I'm curious now going forward, do you, as the world starts to open up itty bitty amounts um, are you starting to reconnect with the network and kind of follow this dream that you have, or are you still, um, planning on doing some more shoots like your portrait stuff? Yeah. So I actually have a shoot on Saturday. So yeah, things are beginning slowly to pick up again. Um, yeah, I have a shoot on Saturday with a brand, uh, on a beach in England that's going to be fun because it's not warm here I was going to say say, it's not too warm in April in the UK (laughs) no it's not so that's going to be great fun um oh I'm sure you know we'll get great results it's just going to be a bit cold but yeah and next month I have an event I'm going to in London which is a red carpet uh very small one because obviously it would have been bigger but COVID so hey that's going to be a nice check on your uh, to-do list yeah I definitely I mean I think, I think it's just like a kind of universal relief that things are slowly getting better. I think everyone's kind of fed up with this now, you know? 
Well, you know, we're, we're getting there. I get my yeah. second vaccination today, so. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And, and Tracy had hers yesterday, which is why she's mm-hmm. not feeling well today. But um, yeah, I think as more and more people, more and more people get vaccinated, we're going to see the world open up. And now that we have new protocols for shoots and for films, um, I definitely see that health and safety is going to be a priority going forward. Um, do you see that happening in the UK as well? Oh, definitely. Like, we've taken it really seriously here. Like, yeah, like there was a time last year, actually. And it's funny, my friend was moving to Miami in March and she was going across country from Phoenix to Miami. Whereas in the UK, we weren't allowed to leave the house. We would get fined by cops if we left the house. So she was moving from states to states and I was literally in a house and we couldn't leave. We literally couldn't leave. We, we were only allowed to leave for like supermarkets. And that went on for over a month of not being able to leave our houses. So yeah, we've taken it really seriously in the UK from what I've heard with productions and TV and uh, photography, like social distancing is a massive deal. Everyone has to wear masks. You're not even allowed like in to like a studio without a mask on now. Like they won't let you in. So I mean, it's definitely changed the world. Yeah. So for instance, your production this Saturday, how does that play into, you know, building out this brand shoot? You know, what have you had to think about differently? Well, I've been lucky. I've been vaccinated. So I don't have that like mental strain anymore of having to really worry about it. But I will be wearing a mask. There will be distancing, even though we're outside. And yeah, I think there will be a lot of emphasis on the fact that we've got to keep each other kind of like focus but also you know respecting those rules that are there that we do have to keep a distance we do have to like you know it's just going to be different I guess like is this stuff know. that you talk about like on the pre-call with them not really I think because so many people have been vaccinated in the UK now we're nearly at 50,000 vaccinations there's 80 uh 50,000, 50 million. Um, yeah, there's more people than 50,000 living in the UK. Yeah, we're at 50 million vaccinations. There's 80 million people in this country. So we're over halfway now. So I think a lot of people have kind of chilled out about it. But I think, you know, if you're asking me, do you think the world's going to change? Like, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I just didn't know if it changed, like, how you think about your productions or the questions you bring up with client, especially if it's direct to client. There's typically more of a conversation. Like I shot a cookbook and, you know, it was, we didn't even have a food stylist. It was just me and the, and the chef who was writing the book. And, you know, it was like the first conversation I had with her. Cause I mean, we were shooting inside. So shooting inside is a little bit different than shooting outside. Uh, but it definitely made me think about like, oh, I want to make sure we address the, you know, I'm going back to the elephant, the elephant in the room, you know, um, we got to address COVID right now, just so you know, like I'm going to be masked and we might be in close quarters. So I want to know like, where have you been, who you've been around Um, and, and, um, you know, make sure that like I have a safety waiver that's signed um, that I have a health 24 hour health check before they show up on set to be like, you know, are you having any of these things? Cause if you are, then we're not shooting. Um, And so even like a test shoot I did recently with a group of six models even though it was outside, I still did the health safety check with them beforehand. One model had to drop out because she, her roommate came down and was ill. We didn't know if it was COVID. Um, most people do the rapid testing here if it's going to be a big production. So mm-hmm. it definitely has changed the way I think about shooting. Um, and that's yeah. why I was just kind of curious. 
I think it's it's similar. Like it's definitely similar on like the grander scale of things in studios, like you said. But outside, do you know what? I think people are kind of so fed up with it now that people don't really bring it up. I think they're just like they know that the rules are there. They know that they've got to wear a mask. There's no point discussing it. You know, we've been living with this now for over a year. And I think people are just kind of mentally tired of it. You know, they're just like, we know it's there. We are going to shoot. There's nothing else to say. I think, I don't know. I think in the UK, like we've been really, it's been drilled into our heads. You know, that it's just part of our day, like normal lives now. It's just part of our day. So I think if, if I went up to London though, and was working on a TV set or whatever, that will absolutely be the same case. I'd have to take my vaccination card. I'd have to sign off a waiver, definitely. So there's definitely that similarity there. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you're shooting outside. So right there is a huge, you know, plus. Um, well, that's exciting. I'm glad to hear you get to work with a brand. And I'm just kind of curious, how do you think about social media, right? We talked about in the beginning, you had like no social presence, no website. Now you have a website, you're on social so how do you kind of think about the marketing and like the wholesome effect? Like that could be from LinkedIn to your social, to how you update your portfolio, to how you reach out. I think uh, Instagram is definitely the the money maker. You know, that is how you connect with people is, you know, sliding into the DMs or whatever and just introducing yourself. And uh, yeah, I think, I think Instagram is definitely the one. When it comes to photography, I don't know about filmmaking and stuff, but with photography and videography, that's definitely like where you want to network is Instagram. Um, I think Facebook's kind of dying out a little bit, but Instagram is definitely like where people, photographers especially are kind of flocking to because it's so easy. You know, you just look at the tags, you look at like literally just search photography and you've got hundreds of thousands of photographers to look through. So like from what I know with big brands and stuff as well, like, I'm talking like big brands like Penny Skateboards, like Disney and all the big ones. They locate all of like their influencers just on Instagram. They literally just DM them like, you know, here's a free skateboard, take some pictures. So yeah, Instagram is definitely like the one. So that's where you probably spend the majority of your time? Yeah, definitely. Maybe too much time. I think you know, <laughs> there's not much to do, is there? Like with the lockdowns, but also, also, I think it's great for like personal as well. Like, I speak to all of my friends on Instagram. We keep like in touch from like Toronto and Australia and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, it becomes a good community, right? You've you've built mm-hmm. a nice community of people to follow. So, before we uh, sign off here, I'd love like you know, like you said, if you were talking to your younger self or talking to girls coming up in the industry today, you know, what would be your kind of one or two bits of advice just to help them you know travel on that road so honestly like my best advice would be to persist like if you're in college or you're in university or you've just graduated university like you must persist like you cannot listen to people that tell you you can't because this is coming from someone that doesn't have a degree in photography I got a B in that photography class I told you about I didn't even get an A I got an A in everything else apart from photography I got a B so this is coming from someone that didn't do particularly well in, in like the academic part of it. And yet I now get paid to do it. So I literally can credit that to be, to persist in. And 
there's also the aspect of being passionate about it and trustworthy and reliable. Like you will be successful if you show up on time, presentable, and you're passionate about it and you step up, you know, like it's actually a lot more common, but when I was, than you may think, but when I was um, working with an agency, a lot of photographers just didn't show up. They just were like, they got booked to the shoot and then they just didn't want to go and they just didn't show up. Those times are when you should be stepping up and saying, I'll go and do it. Let me go do it and I'll get you the photos. And that was who I was. That was what I did when I was in my early 20s. I would be the one that shows up. I'd be the one that was always on time. I'd be the one that was reliable and have a quick turnover. Like I have a 24 hour turnover with portrait shoots. Everything I edit comes in 24 hours or 48 hours. So it's just being quick, being presentable and persistent. Like take it from me when like, I wasn't particularly special to my photography teachers. They were like, Oh, we can see she's passionate about it, but it's, you know, it's not something that we see her doing as a career. Like none of these kids are going to go on and do it as a career. Like my teachers were like photographers for like the BBC and national geographic and stuff. So, you know, well-versed, they didn't see anything in me. They were just like, yeah, I guess she's passionate about it. Now look at me, you know, and this is just from the fact that I persisted and showed up and was passionate about it and was reliable and trustworthy. And I think also as like a woman, it's easy to feel that you can't do it or that you're not taken seriously, but you, you must, you must persist. That, that would be my advice in any industry is to just persist and show up. Um, you know, it is a male dominated industry and there will be guys that are treated more seriously than you just because they have a more expensive camera than you, but don't particularly have a very good portfolio but they'll still be chosen over you you still have to like keep showing up and just keep knocking on those doors that's the only way is to just keep peddling I love it persistency yeah persistency consistency showing up you know always bringing your a-game determination Um, yeah pretty much I'm like I love all those words those should all be like big words (laughs) you know over the top of this podcast (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah just name it that 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 do it like just name the podcast that and that'd be done but I don't know I think when I was like when I was like 17 18 like I was like maybe like it was like 2011 that was before like the big boom social media so maybe things have changed maybe like it is easier now for younger women to get involved in it but you know I'm not like ancient but times have changed in the last kind of 10 years, especially with social media and stuff. And, you know, maybe it's easier now, maybe it's harder because there's like an, you know, there's more people doing it. So maybe it's harder to get like notice. But I think if I could say that to my younger self, I'd just be like, just keep persisting because people told me that I wasn't going to amount to anything. People told me that I couldn't do it, that I don't have the connections. I don't have the skills. And I was told I couldn't do it like by many people. And don't listen to them. Like, keep going. Yeah. You're like, look, I did it. I did it twice. And I took pictures here. <laughs> exactly. Like, honestly, if I could tell my 13-year-old self that I was, like, my photographs are published in magazines, I think, I don't think she'd be very overwhelmed. Like, I think my, my mind would be blown. Like, my 13-year-old self was like, I had no, like, 
self-esteem or any kind of drive for it. Like I didn't really have any mentors or anything to say, you know, you can do it. Like I was told the opposite. I was told you can't do it. You don't know anyone. Like you don't have the right tools. So that's a kind of a big mental hurdle to get over. So was it just like an internal drive for you or? Yeah, I think it was an internal drive. I had something to prove after years of being told I I couldn't do it. I had to prove that I could. And that's where the drive came from. So if like, if there's young women listening to this and they've been told like you can't do it, you can do it. Like you just. Kimberly is here to tell you, listen to her. (laughs) He's been in your shoes. Yeah, I have. Like, and I think, you know, it's sad saying that to a kid, like you can't do it. And it happens all the time, you know, because I think with like, older adults they kind of use their logic like you don't know anyone you don't have the skills you know but you make time to learn those skills you can teach like yourself now with like the internet and stuff you you know that's not how I learn but it's it's possible there's always a way there's always a way yeah and I think your story proves that there's a way right like you didn't start with the most expensive gear you got like a secondhand used camera and learned and practiced and photographed a ton and, you know, used your friends as like a launch pad to get to where you're at today. So yeah, I think it's, it's, you know, it's amazing to look back and be like, wow, I was that kid that was told no and no and no and no. And now you're like, "Uh uh-uh, that no is a yes. I used my hundred no's to get me to my yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Like it's possible. You know, I think it's because I grew up with like this kind of mentality that like if you don't know anyone in the industry, you won't get in it. That's what I was. That's what I was always told as a kid. Like it's always who, you know, and there's there's a truth to that. But it doesn't mean you can't try. It doesn't mean you can't learn those skills. It, It doesn't mean you you can't enjoy learning those skills and becoming who you are. And, you know, today's young women, you're going to fail like it's going to happen. But it's all part of it. You know, you you got to like, you got to fail to realize what works and what doesn't. And this is also coming from someone that used to be a waitress. I was a waitress when I was 18 and I've worked in like retail stores, like hanging clothes. So, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that, but you can start like from, you know, very different worlds, you know, being in a studio, but, you know, then you know, you could have been working in a bar the year before anything can happen is what I'm trying to say. It's like, you know, anything is possible. You just got to persist. You just got to keep pushing. I mean, I don't feel like I've made it or whatever. I don't feel successful in myself yet. Like there's still so many things I want to do and I'm just going to keep pushing myself until I get it. And I think that's your drive coming out, right? Like you're like, okay, I hit that milestone. I celebrated that milestone. What's the next milestone for me? exactly like when I tick something off my list I'm straight into the next thing like I have like a hunger for it like I always want more and there's certain things I want to do like in this lifetime where I'd be really annoyed at myself if I don't get it you know like I'll take it personally I'll be like no 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 it's not time for me to like go on to the whatever's next like I've got to get this done I've got to achieve it otherwise I feel like I've kind of let myself down I think a really good way of looking at it is to do it for your younger self like your child self like all the things that like little you wanted to do tick them off your list it's like the best thing ever don't do it for like your parents don't do it for like people on Instagram do it for like little you 
like be the person she, you know, wanted you to be. I love that. Kimberly, remind our audience where they can find you online and check out your socials. Sure. So my Instagram is your girl Kimbo and my website is ksephotography.com. And yeah, come say hi. Like if you're listening and you, and you want some advice, like come say hi, like I'd love to help. Fantastic. Well, we look forward to seeing you on film and TV sets and on the red carpet <laughs> taking photos. Um, guys, thanks for listening. Keep your creative juices flowing. We'll see you next time. <laughs>